crap. Oh, jeez Louise, I did this wrong. Just put in my headphones. Let's fix this right now. Check, check, check. Check one, two. Yo, yo, yo. I think that's good. Can I hear? Yeah. I think that will. Whoa. Don't want to do that, though. Sometimes it's not good to go so off the cuff. I actually made this a while ago. Redesign the thumbnail. Thumbnail has been redesigned. I wanted to do that for quite a while. And I avoided redesigning the thumbnail. I avoided doing it. Why? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. I don't even have my glasses on. Can't start the show without your glasses. And, I mean, if I'm going to do glasses, I'm going to yeah, need these. <clears throat> there we go. Perfect. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you know what I've been you know what I've been watching a lot of actually? Um I've been watching Dracula's Lament Lament uh from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. You know what you know that uh song that Jason Siegel does? It's really great. Um about uh Dracula basically being really sad and he's like he's like I don't even remember what it is. Well, let me let me let me pull up the lyrics here. It's Dracula's Lament. I'm surprised some horror punk outfit hasn't tried to do Dracula's Lament yet. Getting kind of wait, it's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe the tide's gonna turn. <laughs> and I've been living too hard to believe. Things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned. And if I see Van Helsing, I swear to Lord, I will slay him. <laughs> he take you from me, but I swear I won't let it be so. <laughs> Blood will run down his face while he is deprecated. Decapitated, ah! His head on my mantle is how I will let this world know how much I love you. Doom, doom, die, <laughs> die, die. I can't. <laughs> you know, we can't really play any of the audio here, so I gotta, you know, try and replicated if I can. Oh, okay. So, again, nice show planned for this evening. We're talking about Glenn Danzig and his House of Vampires. Oh, you know what I forgot to pull up to? There's a couple other things we need here. Let's get... Let me pull up. We need the IMDb. That's number one. We want to see who's in the sucker. We want photos. Well, there's not much photos. We're going to use the trailer for that. So, all right. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rue. 
Thank you, Mr. Rumorg. I, I try my best. I try my best. It would. I I wish I could talk, do it in the teeth. I wish I could do it in the teeth. It's, it's not easy to do. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, I uh, need a new day for the show. I don't know what the day is going to be. Got to figure that out. Problem. One of the problems is... Uh, just, you know, when you rotate and then you want to make sure that every show is a week apart and then, you know, I don't know. I don't want to do too many shows in a single week. <clears throat> okay. So, let's see what I can find on death. I don't know. House of Vampires first. That's the first thing I want to do. Put this up here. So Glenn Danzig has really gotten into making movies, man. We've already talked about his first film, Verotic or Verotica. I'm not sure what you would, how you would call it. I don't know the precise name. And we've said all there is to say about it. Uh, you know, my friend Kevin uh, actually thought of a really great uh, way to sort of nail down what Verotic, uh, Verotic, Veronica, what Veronica is, and it's kind of like, I guess, Veronica is, it's Glenn Danzig doing music videos without music attached to them. That's what it is. You know what I mean? That's what Veronica is. That's how you have to think about it. They're music videos without any music to them. <laughs> that's how, that's what Uncle Glenn likes to do. Um, here's the thing, you know, Veronica was, uh, it is what it is, you know. Um, but I have to tell you, this trailer for Death Rider in the House of Vampires looks pretty freaking sick. I am actually quite uh, excited. Not that it, not that it's going to be a good movie by good movie standards, but just that it looks like such a big leap in his ability. That's what it is, and that's why. I think it's good to be excited about Death Rider in the House of Vampires. I think I'm going to enjoy it no matter what, and not just because I'm uh, a Glenn Danzig fan. Um, I'm going to enjoy it because I think it's going to probably be schlocky, sh sloppy, ridiculous fun. It's going to be like The Room. You know what I mean? It's just going to be, you know, like something like that. Uh, Rue says, the trailer, the trailer looks good. Production uh, seems better. Thanks to the Misfits reunion money, yes, yes, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure Cleopatra has something to do with that as well, because I know that that dude's the that dude's the executive producer. Um, so there's definitely something to be said for that. I mean, that's that's you know the fact that 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 he's he's growing, he's growing in his in his uh, yeah, because Glenn is not the type of guy to give up, right? Does he ever give up on anything? Not really. Um, he sure has a problem putting some stuff out, but you know, he's, I feel like he's really determined to be a filmmaker and he wants to prove everybody wrong. So I'm kind of rooting for that. Um, is it going to be, like I said, is it going to be a good movie? Probably not. Probably going to be pretty schlocky, pretty terrible. Um, but it's going to be like, it could be just be like the room. You know, I would say that Veronica wasn't, you can't, it's not even really the room. It's like the room is a bit more coherent than Veronica. Um, 
Am I pronouncing it right? Is it Verotica or Verotica? I don't remember. Um, but we're going to take a look. We're Oh, it says it right here. It is Verotica. So I was saying it right. Okay. So we're going to take a look, though. That's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the trailer. We're going to go frame, not frame by frame, but we'll go, you know, we'll, we'll plod through the trailer at a much smaller, slower pace and just see see what's going on. And uh, before we do that, let's take a look at what some people have been writing about Death Rider in the House of Vampires. See, I love the name Death Rider in the House of Vampires. I think it's a really fun name. Uh, that really captured my imagination before we saw anything else. Rue says, maybe he's listening to some of the suggestions from the acting talent in the film. Hopefully better camera work than and all that. Rue, let's take a look, actually. Let's let's let that be the first thing that we take a look with, shall we? Are we ready to go on this journey? Let's do it. Hold on one second while I share my screen here. Okay, we got our screen shared. Let's take a look at who. So who's in the cast? We have we have a, a, a cast with way more name recognition than Veronica, okay? There's Devin Sawa, who is in a ton of awesome movies in Idle Hands. He's in uh, SLC Punk. He's in he's in the Fred Durst movie as well. He, two, that's two music, musicians turned directors uh, that he's worked with. And that was pretty that was a pretty schlocky movie. Um, the Fan, I think it's called, whatever. The Fanatic, the, where, where John Travolta is... Man, that's some performance, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it, it, it ends in a really sort of interesting way. Um, so you have Devin Sawa is the the star. He's the he is the 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 tight the titular titular tight titular. He is the titular Death Rider that is in the House of Vampires. It just makes you think of a bunch of stuff. Why is it called Death Rider in the House of Vampires? Because it's a vampire spaghetti western. I mean, for those of you who are not familiar, what is a spaghetti western? We we hear that term thrown around a lot. Well, in Italy, um, a, a lot of a lot of westerns were made in Italy. I don't know why, but we're going to find that out right now. And so they call them spaghetti westerns, and it was a very popular genre in the '60s and '70s. And we're going to find out the spaghetti western, also known as the Italian western or the macaroni western, is a broad subgenre of western films that emerged in the mid 1960s in the wake of Sergio Leone's filmmaking style and international box office success. So it starts off with Sergio Leone, and for those who don't know who he is, he did the the Clint Eastwood, um, you know, uh, the Man with No Name, Fistful of Dollars. That's Sergio Leone. Some some say the greatest Western director of all time. So it really he made the it's what's known as the Dollars trilogy, a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more, and the finale, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is parodied in uh, Back to the Future Part Three, right with the with the Iron Grate on on the you know underneath Michael J's uh, poncho. So. It says here over 600 European Westerns were made between 1960 and 1978. So the Western at this time when Glenn Danzig is growing up is incredibly popular. Think about that. 600 films in 18 years. If they, It took them 10 years to make 22 Marvel movies. They did 600. Think about all the superhero films we could have got in 10 years if they 
didn't worry about the quality because I got to tell you, the quality of all these these spaghetti westerns probably isn't that great. They just they churn them out, cheap picture after cheap picture after cheap picture. Some of them are also you know uh, super like well done and whatnot, but you know that's. I think Stagecoach was made in that that uh, era. That's John Ford, John Ford and John Wayne together. Um, but that's interesting how because of that this genre, in a way, Sergio Leone is the he is the Glenn Danzig of Western films or Italian westerns or spaghetti westerns. That's Sergio Leone. He basically started a genre. He happened to be Italian. He made a Western. It was so good. It started a whole industry out of Italy because it was so popular uh, because of what he had done. Um, according to veteran spaghetti Western actor Aldo Sombrel, the phrase spaghetti Western was coined by Spanish journalist Alfonso Sanchez. The denomination for these films in Italy is Western Al Italiana, Italian style Western. Italo Western is also used, especially in Germany. These movies were originally released in Italian or with Italian dubbing, but most of the films featured multilingual cast. That's right. So a lot of them uh, are have an English star and are surrounded then by Italians or, you know, again, you know, uh, uh, other European actors. Um, and this is something to know about it all Italian cinema or most Italian cinema, as it says right here, the sound was post-synced, which what does post-synced means? It means that just about every sound that you hear in an Italian film, Spaghetti Western or Giallo, for those of you who are not familiar with Giallo, the lighting in, well, maybe not the lighting, but I would say, well, I talked about this last time with, with Veronica, the, the, the lighting is european inspired 70s european inspired um but a giallo much like a giallo uh spaghetti westerns all the sound is done in post so what happens is on set while this while normally where a set would be really quiet you actually have the cast and crew they're just chattering away because they know it's going to be all synced later they're going to do they're going to redo all the sound later um and so you'll find you'll see that and you'll see uh, Italians are, or the, the Italian cinema, they're very, um, they're not very, they don't put much care into their dubbing for the most part. And it's just more about, they're like, you know, these films, they're made in Italy for super cheap, but they're made for English markets. So that's why like a great example, you might've heard, you know, the, all the, Ita the, the other, the other genre from Italy is the cannibal films. You have tons and tons of cannibal films. And um, you have guys like John Saxon come in and they much like Clint Eastwood in Spaghetti Westerns. They, you know, they're English. They speak in English. Everybody else kind of tries to speak in English, but is mostly dubbed or, you know, their voices are dubbed because their English is so bad. Um, oh, great comment right here. I don't till the late 80s. Are you sure all films were filmed silent to the late 80s? I didn't know when that stopped or if that ever did stop. But thank you for that uh tidbit that that i was not aware of um but yeah so so that is that's what uh spaghetti western essentially is now this is something i've never heard uh the term paella western has been used for many western films produced in spain so i didn't know there was uh that was the term for huh 
till after the first RoboCop. Are you trying to tell me that RoboCop was filmed in in Italy? Was RoboCop filmed in Italy? I, why? I don't. I don't understand that. No, it's just around Dallas. You gotta. You gotta explain that more for me. <clears throat> Break that down. Break that down, please. Uh, I'm not going to search for it now because I don't want to leave any dead air. Um, but that's interesting. So there's a term called the paella Western, which was used for many Western films that were produced in Spain. The term Euro Western may also be used to include similar Western films that were produced in the continental in continental Europe, but without involvement by Italians. I'm going to sneeze. Excuse me. Yeah. Oh, come on. Come on. Weston Smith says, it's kind of strange. I love horror books and songs, but not movies. Knowing Glenn's age, I wish he focused on doing music, Danzig or Misfits, but this sounds like an interesting concept. I mean, I I got to hand it to him. I got to hand it to him that he's, that he's, I think it's really cool. I think it's a really cool idea. Obviously, we know from the trailer that it's probably not going to turn out that great, but the the concept is super original. I mean, you have there are other crossover genres like this. You have, for example, there is Near Dark. Near Dark is considered to be a vampire western. Uh, you have the you have Bill Paxton just being super awesome in this. I mean, everybody's super awesome. Um, it's a shame we never got more. I always wanted more. I mean, there there you go. This whole scene in the bar right here. Look how badass Bill Paxton is, man. He's really something else. I love this kid, too. He's great in it as well. So this was another film that was Bill Paxton and Lance Hendrickson. Just, oh, God, they were so good. This was a this was such a fun vampire film. And it's a shame that they didn't do more. I mean, they've done some other vampire westerns. Great example. Holy crap. Um, from Dust Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter. I love From Dust Till Dawn 3. Um, also starring Michael Parks. Come on, why isn't that not working? Dusk Till Dawn 3. Hey, come on. There we go. Hangman's Daughter, man. This, there you go. There is another example of a vampire Western. And it essentially follows the same sort of, um, There's that's, that's him. That's the Hangman himself. It's a prequel. It takes place 100 years before in 1896. And this guy plays a character named Johnny Madrid. It's actually a really good, as far as third films go, as far as direct uh, direct to video sequels go, uh, it's it's a really fun it's a really fun uh, entry in the From Dust to Dawn series, and it's a vampire western. So there is precedent for you know um, vampire westerns in the past. But the idea of doing it as a vampire spaghetti Western, and I mean, I don't really know what's spaghetti about it. I think Glenn is just calling it, it's really just a vampire Western, you know, uh, is he really, unless he's taking significant tropes from the spaghetti Westerns that he is familiar with. Maybe it's Glenn trying to be super edgy and be like, yeah, it's a vampire spaghetti, a spaghetti Western, you know, trying to, you know, get in on those Italian roots. 
Um, Winston says he also likes spaghetti Western music. The guy who makes RoboCop said this in the making of, huh, interesting. I really need to get that Arrow, Arrow release. You like spaghetti Westerns, great music soundtracks. Yeah, uh, Enrico, what's his name? The guy, he just died. Maricone. Maricone, he uh, he worked with uh, Tarantino on his Hateful Eight. The Big Gun Down, 1966, has the best soundtrack ever. So did Death Rides a Horse, 1967. You are indeed a big fan. You are indeed a big fan. So, so this is where these are the roots of Glenn Danzig. So, if you're if you're here, Glenn talking about vampire spaghetti western, that's where he's or spaghetti western. That's where he's getting the, these ideas from. I love this screenshot of Glenn. This is so great. He looks genuinely happy. <laughs> he looks genuinely happy in uh, the this this stop this this shot that uh, shot. Um, that's not, yeah, you spelt that so wrong. This is spelt very wrong, but yes, that is the guy. That is the guy. And he did all the Sergio Leone's film, Sergio Leone's films. Uh, Glenn looks really stoked, uh, in this shot. I just love this. Death, Danzig's Vampire Western. See the trailer for the new movie, Death Rider in the House of Vampires. How could you not? I mean, that name alone, like for like, let's say you go in, you, I'm sure you would be let down if you didn't watch the trailer first, but let's say you went based on that trail, that, that title alone, you're going to be super stoked. I would be super stoked. Whoa. Cause it captures my imagination. Um, in 2019, Glenn Danzig made his feature film directorial debut with the polarizing polarizing is a nice way of saying it. The polarizing instant midnight movie classic. I think that was a really nice way. And revolver has a good relationship with Glenn. So they're, 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 they're being very nice to uncle Glenn. Um, uh, Veronica. Now he's back with his follow-up death rider in the house of vampires, an ultra violent, violent, homage to Italian spaghetti westerns and 70s bloodsucker flicks. The film follows the Death Rider who travels the desert set who travels to the desert set vampire sanctuary. Yeah, they talk about the sanctuary a lot in the trailer. You know, they talk about that in the trailer a lot. Every other word is this is sanctuary. I can't play the audio of the trailer unfortunately because I don't want to get in trouble. Um, which is ruled by Count Holiday. Yeah, all the names. <laughs> it's uh, and Glenn really wants you to know that all of the names are, are a juxtaposition of something vampire-y and something westerny. So every name, like Count Holiday, it's Count Dracula and Billy Holiday, or whatever that guy Holiday's name is. Um, the price of admission one. What, this is interesting. I didn't know this about the plot. The film follows the Death Rider who travels to the desert set vampire sanctuary ruled by Count Holiday. The price of admission one untouched virgin. This time out, evil evil Elvis not only handles writing, directing, and scoring duties, but he is but he also stars in the film playing the vampire gunslinger Bad Bathory. Joining him is a murderous row of horror heavyweights, Devin Sawa as Death Rider, Julian Sands as Count Holiday, and Kim Director as Carmilla Joe, plus Eli Roth as Drac Cassidy, Ashley, Wo Ashley, of course, Ashley Winslow, Wisdom is going to be in there. Um, Ashley Wisdom as Mina Bell, uh, Victor D. 
DiMatteo as Kid Vlad and Danny Trejo as Bella Latigo. Um, so they premiered, the rap premiered the first trailer. We're going to watch it in just a second, just a few seconds. Let's take a look now uh, to answer Rue's question. Howdy. Howdy pilgrims in the chat. I don't, I don't get that. Boy, I'm just not getting anything tonight. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, all right, let's take a look at, uh, at the, uh, full, cast and crew. So it's directed by Glenn Danzig. It's written by Glenn Danzig. It stars Glenn Danzig. Let's see who's producing this film. Of course, Glenn Danzig is the executive producer. Notice this guy right here. These two, they're from they're from uh Cleopatra Records. Cleo, yeah, Cleopatra Records right there. Um you have consulting producers. The music is also by Glenn Danzig and uh, Rue, I'm sorry to say, Rue Morg, you looks like we're wrong here. Glenn Danzig does the cinematography and he takes top billing. He also edits the film. So this film is truly an auteur film. For anybody who who knows what an auteur is, well, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, let's, let's go for the textbook definition. I hate butchering butchering these definitions like I do. A tour. A tour. Let's look up the definition. An a tour is a filmmaker whose personal influence and artistic control over a movie are so great that the filmmaker is regarded as the author of the movie. Now, a lot of people attempt to become a tours by doing every role conceivable. So this is how you have Glenn Danzig directed by, written by, produced by, music by, cinematography by, edited by, um, all by, by Glenn. So Glenn has done, done all these roles. Let's see if there's any other, any other things that Glenn does in this film. Uh, I'm not, I, that, nothing's, nothing's turning up here. I don't think Glenn did the visual effects. I don't think... Hmm. Hmm. Nope. Nope. Not seeing Glenn's name again. I could just do control F and do a little search, but I'm not doing that as you can see. Okay. So, so there you have it, folks. So Glenn does a bunch of stuff. Listen, I'm not one to talk. I too identify as an auteur in a certain, in a certain sense, because my film Romeo's distress was done completely by me, essentially, me and a few other individuals. Yes, filmmaking is a team effort, but when you, you can't, when you don't have a team to work with, you essentially do everything else. Now, not to look like a complete and total a-hole, I made up a fake production name, Richard Vane. He doesn't exist. Richard Vane is my my alternate ego, and that's how I try to change up the titles. But just like Glenn, I did you know, I did it all, baby. I did it all. Um, so there's that. Uh, okay. Talked about that. Let's go. I think maybe it's time to actually look at the trailer itself. Let's, let's take a look. Glenn is, he truly is a master of the arts. He really, really is. Um, oh, this is what I want to check too. Before, hold on. Before we go to the trailer, there's, there are different types of spaghetti Westerns. Ready? 
There's the Zapata, Zapata Western, which is one variant of the hero pair was a revolutionary Mexican, Mexican bandit and mostly money-oriented American from the United States frontier. Hmm. Then there are portrayal stories like it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, Django and the tragic hero. We've heard Django come up um, a bunch of times. Yes, a team, but someone holds it together with vision. This is true. I mean, all films should be made by teams. And I was in a situation where I couldn't afford to hire a team. So I made a film by myself. And that's why I did all the roles. Glenn Danzig can afford to pay to hire a team. He just really wants to be in a tour. So he's in a tour by choice, and I'm in a tour by necessity. Um so Django and the Tragic, you have Django and the Tragic Hero. Oh, 70 spaghetti westerns on DVD, my lord. Also the weird psychotic, yes, psychedelic El Topo by Alejandro Jordowski. Yes, uh, that's also considered to be one of the first midnight films, Oni. That's one of the first midnight films ever. That dude is a trip. Check out his film Santa Sangre. Really crazy. It's called The Saint Blood. Really, really out there. Wonderful, beautiful film. So what other kind of uh, what other kind of Westerns do we have? We have Django and the Tragic Hero. You've heard that. T- uh, Quentin Tarantino has made that a household name, Django. Uh, but it didn't come from him. It came from this style uh, of, of Spaghetti Western. Besides the first three Spaghetti Westerns by Leone, uh, a most influential film was Sergio Car- Carbucci's Django, starring Franco Nero. The titular character is torn between several motives, money or revenge, and his choices bring misery to him and to a woman close to him. Indictive of this film's influence on spaghetti Western style, Django is the hero's name in the plentitude of subsequent Westerns. Um, then you have comedy spaghetti westerns. So you have your comedy spaghetti westerns. So spaghetti western really sort of branches off. Yeah. So there's like a hundred Django movies. And Franco's is from 1966. Interesting. Um, so you have comedy spaghetti westerns, lots of them. Yada yada. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty um, explanatory. In 1968, the wave of spaghetti westerns reached its crest, so it peaks in 1978, but would go on for another 10 years after that, comprising one-third of Italian film production. So in 1968, one-third of the films coming out of Italy are westerns. That is fascinating to me. Uh, only to a collapse to one tenth in 1969. That's interesting. Wow. So from one third to one tenth. So two thirds of the production uh, collapsed in the next year. However, the considerable the considerable box office success of Enzo Barboni's They Call Me Trinity and the pyramidal one of its follow up Trinity is still my name gave Italian filmmakers a new model to emulate. The main characters were played by Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer, who had already cooperated as a hero pair in the old-style spaghetti western westerns God Forgives, I Don't, Boot Hill, and Ace High, directed by Giuseppe Calozzi. 
The humor started in those movies already with scenes with comedic fighting, but the Barboni films became burlesque comedies. Uh, they feature the quick but lazy Trinity and his big, strong, irritable brother, Bambino. <laughs> and then you have, of course, you have spaghetti Western musicals. Some Italian Western films were made as ve vehicles for musical stars. Huh. Ringo Starr was in a, starred as a villain in Blind Man. Wonder what year that was. Blind Man is from 1971, so it was after the Beatles broke up. Interesting. Very, very interesting there. Okay, so those are the types of spaghetti westerns. Let's go to the comments real quick. And then you have the weird ones that combine kung fu and westerns. Yeah, I'm all about that. That's fun. Oh, yes. Like, um, there's the Jap... What's the name of the Japanese one that has... There's one... I think maybe it's directed by Takashi Miike, and it has... Um, it has Quentin Tarantino's in it. What's the name of that? Man, I got to look that up real quick, real quick, because it's going to bother me. I'm going to be thinking about that. Let's go to the IMDb's. Let's see here, Quentin. Quentin. Just a moment. Just a moment. Hmm. God, I really want Kill Bill Three so badly. I would totally love that. Not Django Unchained. Uh, ah, here it is. It's called Sukiyaki Western Django from 2007. And it was directed by Takashi Miike. I was right. Yes. And... It has Quentin Tarantino plays Piringo, plays a character named Piringo. So there you go. I was correct on that. Viva Django was pretty good, but most Django sequels stink. I wonder if the cost of these movies took away from the budget for Skeletons, Black Lady and Crown, and Danzig Sings Elvis, resulting in the low production. Um... You know, I don't think so. I think Glenn... So I think Glenn made Skeletons, Black Lady and Crown, and Danzig Sings Elvis. I think he made those films out of, out of his own pocket. I think he used uh, Cleopatra to distribute the Danzig Sings Elvis because he, he had inked a deal with them to either do movies or the other way around. I don't think Glenn... You know, I used to think that Glenn put up the money for his movies. I'm not so sure about that anymore. Um, I mean, a part of me still thinks that. Because I was like, who's going to give him the money to make these films? Who Honestly, who knows? Uh, Winston, you could be right. You could be wrong. I honestly don't know. Not going to pretend like I, I, I possibly do. Um, let's see here. I would like to see Glenn tackle the kung fu genre. I would love that. What would a Glenn Danzig kung fu film be like? I don't know. But it would involve, oh, my God. You know what I want to see Glenn remake? I would like to see Glenn, not remake, but I'd like to see him do his own version of Oni Baba. You ever heard of Oni Baba? This thing is freaky deaky, man. Oni Baba. Super about this mask. I don't even know how to describe it. It It is something else. It's a trip. It is a trip. It's from 1964, and it is super scary. Super scary. You've seen that mask before. What's up, Chris Spawn? How you doing? How you doing, Chris? 
Um, I could imagine Glenn doing a lot with this, truly. Look, there's a great picture right there. Boom. Super freaky, man. I, I was a big fan of this film. This guy did another one. There you go. That's Oni Baba. Criterion film. Check it out if you get a chance to. I don't I don't know how easy it is to get a hold of, but it is really, really spectacular. That's all I can say about it. Very simple film. I'm surprised there are not more remakes of this film like Onibaba, to be honest with you. Um, so there's that. That would be interesting. Um, good. Is it good or is it good? Hanuta Boob. How do you pronounce your name? Hanuta Boob. Hey, man. Love your work. Just want to say hi in the stream for once. Hey! How you doing, man? Thank you for watching. Listen, just make sure you're subscribed. It's a big help. Please subscribe to my channel. Like, comment. Oh, my God. I don't even have the banners up. How? Oh, God, I'm so stupid. Always got to always gotta have the banner going. Just like, subscribe, yada, yada, yada. Uh, yeah, I could see Glenn doing something with that. He would, man. He, he totally could. Black and white added to the atmosphere. Yeah. I think Glenn would do a great job. All right, enough, enough of this. I think it's time. I think it's time we looked at the the trailer. Okay, let's take a look. So we're gonna watch the trailer now. I have it right here. But when we watch the trailer, we're gonna do it two ways. Okay, we're gonna watch the trailer. Uh, should I do it? Let's see if we could do it. We'll just do it like this. All right, so we're going to watch the trailer, and then we're going to go slowly through the thing. Ready? All right, trailer's playing, everybody. You're not going to be able to hear the, the sound. So there is Death Rider, and he's riding with – I guess that's his virgin, but he has tied to a horse, right? He's riding past some people in the crucifix. Yeah. Oh, we'll just watch it. I'll talk about it after. I mean, these shots do look very pretty, that spotlight there. That looks like it's filmed at the Batman cave. <laughs> Danny Trejo. Um, I kind of want to really talk about it more during the Glenn Danzig. Talk about it frame by frame instead of like this. Death Rider in the House of... I hate that font, though. Not a fan of that font. And I thought that was the... Uh, what's it called? For a second, I thought that was... Uh, his like a like a version of his Danzig skull, you know. <laughs> Woo ah 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 Yes, I broke these fangs. They're they're really cheap fangs, so. Ah 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 ah. Yes, I agree. It's a good stream. I mean, what other... I mean, God, you know what I'd love to see Glenn do? I would love to see Glenn do his version of Frankenstein. Could you imagine Glenn Danzig's Frankenstein? That would be insane. I'm sure Ashley would be the bride of Frankenstein, right? I would, I would imagine that she would be the bride of Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, it's true. Gotta stick together. Super fans we are. 
guys, we're just watching through it first, and then we're gonna we're gonna go back and look at it. Um, <laughs> Eli Roth. I was surprised to see some of the people that were in this. To be honest, I was really surprised. He got a much bigger crew than once before. I mean, this one thing is for certain: the the flash of the of this right here. This feels like an attempt to do something very Quentin Tarantino ish. You know, here's my ensemble cast. You know, I dude, I totally agree. He says. Death Rider looks more fun than Veronica, to be honest. I mean, I am a big fan of Danzig, but his last movie was kind of painful to watch. Here's what I said about that. This is what I said about, about, um, about Veronica. You, Veronica is like, Glenn Danzig is not sure how to make a movie yet. Like he's not, he's like, he's like kind of confused. And so what he does is he does know how to direct a music video or he has directed music videos. So it's Glenn Danzig essentially directing like narrative music videos, but without any music. So it's almost kind of painful in that kind of way. Okay. So now let's go back. Now we're going to, we're going to take a look at it. But before we do, before we take a look at it, um, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. That's right, Jeff. We're doing a quick word from the sponsors. Do 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 Please like, subscribe. Go to my uh from us website, fromus.com. You know, you can um you can help support this channel and its content by just cl clicking on the ads at fromus.com. You know, that would that would be a big help. Um and check out my t-shirts. You can get a get your your very own, get your very own, you can't have another cheeseburger t-shirt. Look at that. McDonald's devil lock, man. When you buy one of these shirts, you are supporting the creation of this content and the creation of this film and yada, yada, yada. The film, not, not, the, not the dancing film, the um, documentary that I'm making, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. And we can get in a variety of different colors. You have the, you got your your hoodies, you got your, uh, you got this shirt. I'd recommend going with the classic tee, um, but you can really have any size and any color. And if that's not your, if that's not your bag, I got two other shirts. Check them out. Let me just show you. Some of you may not realize I'm making a a, a documentary called "They Came from Lodi." And here's a, a T-shirt. I like the neon is the best. I love this so much. Look at this. If it'll click. Oh, this is the women's classic tee. That's why. It's like this weird neon color. I don't know how that works. Um, sorry, this is really annoying. So check it out. That's one of the things. You can get a, a hot pink mug. That's what Peter ordered. Peter supported the uh, the stuff with a hot pink they came from Lodi Mug. So that's what this whole this whole show, everything is about raising awareness for this documentary that I've been working on for years and that finally ramped up again. So feel free to pick something up very nice from the shop. Again, a lot of these products are, you know, they're, it's all done. It's a fulfillment service. All I do is I slap my designs on and yada, yada, yada. So there's that. So now back to our, back to our, regularly scheduled show let's see some of these comments 
Yes. Mom, you totally agree with me. Frankenstein would rule, right? Wouldn't Frankenstein be great? I would love that. I would love Frankenstein. It would be phenomenal. What would Glenn Danzig's Frankenstein be about? Give me give me a week to think that over. We'll we'll go back over that. If Glenn Danzig made a Frankenstein film, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about it later. Scott Fox says, that movie looks so bad, it's good. I haven't seen his last movie either. I mean, that's how you have to think about these films, I think. I think this one is going to be a huge improvement over the last one. That's what I said earlier. Um, Rue is loving it. Um, Oni says, it looks like they had fun filming this. Classic Grindhouse style to watch with some friends and some pizza and some other substances. Exactly, Oni. I think that's the way you got to think think about it. Bun intended. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's. So now we're we're going back and we're gonna watch sl- a little slower. So let's take a look at this first shot here. And as you can see, there don't seem to be any nips on this lady, and that's because it's tra- it's a trailer, and they don't want to get uh, censored or whatnot. But can I do this? Wait here. There we go. So there's Death Rider. He's got his horse, he's got her, and her, she looks like she's wearing something. It's like she's wearing a, a merkin for her bazooms, for her boobies. And she is being forced, and the, so the price of entry into the vampire sanctuary is, is a virgin. Now, this is what I was wondering over here. So it looks like daylight is breaking. So that's why our Death Rider is so... Um, so quick or or so eager to get uh, to the sanctuary because once day breaks, uh, he'll be toast. Because every that's the thing that we heard about this film when it first came out. Uh, we heard that it was we heard that it was basically a, a spaghetti western and everybody's a vampire. That's what we heard, and on that premise alone, I was I was stoked about it. To be honest with you, so then what happens? So yeah, so there's people that have been crucified or something. That's interesting. And day is breaking. Now, here's a shot. I don't know that Glenn, this is definitely Glenn trying to do uh, you know, just a super shooting super super wide like a nice vista with the sun rising. It's a beautiful shot. It's probably the best shot in the entire trailer. For it might even be one of the best shots in the whole movie. Who knows? And they put it in the trailer because it's such a great shot. Can Glenn? Does Glenn Danzig take it, uh, take credit for this shot? I don't know. I'm sure it was Glenn's idea because I'm sure it was Glenn's idea. But so he's just right. They're riding along there, and now here's where the shot really just what takes the piss out of the shot. As you can see, somewhere off frame, there is a light. They're, they put some sort of artificial light and see the way it's hitting the horse here. It just, ah, it just kills me because they have this beautiful, look at this, look what they had before. Ah, look at that, that nice silhouette shot. And they had to ruin it with this shot, which is they, they went from being, I guess you would call this a, a medium wide. If that was an extreme, extreme wide shot, I mean, as wide as it possibly can get. And then this is like, well, this would be a normal wide shot, but I would say medium wide shot for considering the other wide shot. And then all of a sudden they're just behind this giant rock. I think this is the cave, the Batman cave from the Batman 66 show. And it looks like this is where he's greeting 
so Danny Trejo once again is is in uh, a vampire role, just like he was in From Dust Till Dawn, uh, one, two, and three. And I love Danny's expression. He's like, <sighs> like look what he's doing. He's doing a really weird look on Danny's face. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> His fangs look all weird. He's like, ugh. Look at him. He's like, ugh. <laughs> and there's this zoom shot. You know that's Glenn. After seeing Veronica, I've kind of get a, a a gist of what Danzig is. Does that because he's seen that in every Western movie, and this is Glenn just trying to copy everything he's ever seen, which is what we all do as filmmakers. That's just what filmmakers do. That's not a thing. That's not a, a, a snipe on Glenn. That's that's what everybody does, right? <laughs> I love that. Look at him with the way he licks his teeth on the thing. Ooh. Imagine Danzig's version of Batman. Oh my God, that would be weird. That would be weird. I'll tell you, nipples on the bat suit wouldn't seem so out of place. Quick thing about nipples on the bat suit. I just want to say something. I have no problems with nipples on the bat suit. Ever, ever, ever. I don't understand. I'm going to take off my glasses because I'm so serious about this. I will never understand why people were upset by there being nipples on the bat suit. What's wrong with nipples on the bat suit? Uh, it's clearly like a nod to like Greek, Greek, bleh, Greek, Greek sculpture, right? Like you're taking classic marble, like or or even like you know Roman uh, chest plates, breastplates, and sort of trying to incorporate that into Batman's suit. What's the problem with nipples on the bat suit? Who cares? In my opinion, personally, I think nipples on the bat suit are a byproduct of 90s homophobia. I just think people were super turned off to it because they it was like somehow it was because it was made by a gay filmmaker. And that bothered a lot of people that there were nipples on the bat suit. So I think the reaction to nipples being on the bat suit, if anything, is like basically it's kind of like uh like the canary in the in the coal mine of like you know detecting homophobia that people are just getting upset that their nips on the bats and who gives a shit really truly who cares like i thought it was great i never had a, i didn't have a problem with it then and i don't have a problem with it now and you know something i love joel schumacher's batman movies i just wanted to say that and i said that because i think glenn danzig's bat suits would have nipples on them just saying that um so yeah so there's danny trejo just looks so weird with his vampire fangs <laughs> he's so weird man um Oni says, uh, Danny Trejo is a vampire. Yeah, it happened. What? It had to happen one day. Uh, no, Oni. Uh, Danny Trejo has been a vampire since the 90s, bro. You got to watch the From Dust Till Dawn films, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, I think this is in reference to that wide shot I was talking about. To yeah, right. Totally wide shots. Um, Chris Spawn never looked at it that way. Are you referring to... What I just said, my little rant about uh, uh, people's reactions to the bat nipples. Um, 
I think the bat nipple concept is weird, but it doesn't look so out of place, to be honest. No, it, there's no. I mean, I just like I just don't get it, dude. I don't get why people are so bummed out about like bat nipples. I just always took it to be homophobic. That's honestly the truth, and that's not me trying to be some like woke like social justice warrior. Uh, you know, I just literally think like, what possible reason could you be offended that there are nipples on the bat suit? And and always they always tie it into Joel Schumacher too. That's the thing. It's always about Joel Schumacher put nipples on the back suit, and Joel Schumacher is gay, and therefore Joel Schumacher has turned Batman into you know. Uh, and, and if that, for anybody who knows anything about Batman, there is so much gay subtext in Batman alone. It's it's all over the place. It's so valid to the character, and I am a love a passionate passionate lover and reader of Batman comics and Batman mythology. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And um, if anybody who reads Batman, anybody who knows anything about Batman knows that, um, that Batman in, enmeshed in Batman's mythology or in Batman's uh, rich history as a character are, are you know underlying like subtext that Batman might be gay or that there's like this gay subtext there? But who freaking cares, dude? Yes, reactionary alarmist to '90s acceptance to LGBT folks, LBGT folks. Exactly, exactly. That's how I feel. And I'm going to say one last thing about this because I'm sure I'm going to turn that into a a video clip like I do. Uh, my favorite live action Batman is Val Kilmer. I think he's the best live action Batman. He gives the best Bruce Wayne Batman performance. And I think Batman Forever is a phenomenal Batman film. Even even the uh Batman and Robin film is valid because what are you looking at? You're looking at Batman 66. That's all Batman and Robin is. People are all like, "Oh my god, Batman and Robin destroyed Batman." It's like, "Really?" Because in the 60s Bat, uh, Bruce, uh, friggin', uh, Burt Ward and uh, Adam West as Batman was the campiest thing ever, and people loved it. You know, they said there were three B's about the 60s Beatles, Bond, and Batman. That's how that's how much of a cornerstone the Batman series was in the 60s. So, you know, for people to get upset in the 90s of what is essentially an adaptation of the 60s Batman, I just it just doesn't, it doesn't add up, folks. All right, enough of that. Back to Glenn Danzig. <laughs> a Glenn Danzig film, of course. Uh, this is probably the coolest time. I, you know what it is? I love this in the background. I love this like old burnt paper, you know, sort of feel. I hate the font. Hate, hate, hate this font. This font is such a turnoff. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, blood splatter's cool, I guess. So, okay, so this is where you open. Now, this looks like a really cheap set, if I'm being honest. This just looks, this is where the, the whole production kind of takes a, a, a downturn. Obviously, we can't really say this until we watch the film. I'm just, we're, we're going basically by the trailer here. Yes, Jim Carrey was great as the Riddler. I agree. Um, but this looks like kind of a cheap set. He's asking to come inside. He doesn't look like a vampire at all. I just don't like that, man. It just doesn't work for me. The the thought kind of reminds me of Cabin Fever. This these credits. Speaking of Cabin Fever, Eli Roth is in this. I was not expecting that at all. So this is kind of cool. 
So here uh, is Count Holiday, played by Julian Sands, who's got that classic, you know, um, vampire V, you know, uh, Vlad the Vlad, Dracula Vlad from. Um, sorry, I'm just like can't talk today. Uh, Vlad the Impaler or Dracul, the Dracul hairstyle from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, and he's just he's just doing it up. I love the purple behind him. It's like purple and black. Kind of reminds me of Cleopatra records for some reason. I don't know. Uh, oh, my God. We're getting more more comments that I can't ignore. Christians tried to ban Batman since, since the 40s because they perceived it as being gay. Uh, Jim Carrey as the Riddler was great. Maybe he could have done the Joker as well. He would have been a great Joker. Uh, the trailer really reminded me of From Dust Till Dawn meets Clint Eastwood or Django movies. That's a good way to put it. I agree. I agree. Yeah, the font is totally like something. The font is like is like papyrus. It's like that's how crappy it is. It's like papyrus, man. I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's like 2006, 2008. Very good, Oni. I like that. So here he is, and he's got two. So he's got two minions. So obviously, Count Holiday he he runs this this vampire sanctuary, right? And and as it said in that article, the price of admission is the Virgin, which we saw in the very opening of the trailer. Because of course, Glenn's like, okay, the movie it's going to start with Death Rider, and he's going to be riding through this wide open vista, and then um, there's going to be a Virgin, but she's got really big boobs. Okay. So he's so there's <laughs> I love this shot. Look at this shot of Devin Sawa. He just cocks his head. So is it ever explained why they're all vampires? It's like just such a weird universe. <laughs> I like that. Looks like the death rides a horse font. Yeah, exactly. Uh is it ever explained why they're all vampires in a Western, you know, is that, or is it this literally like, look, we're, we're peeking into Glenn Danzig's world and this is what happens in it and yada, yada, yada. So you kind of turned, I love the way Tilt said, I hate this shot. Not a fan of this shot. Guys, we're not judging the movie by the trailer, even though we kind of are a little bit, we're just, we're just, we, we're just, we just need something to talk about tonight. And we're talking about the trailer and breaking it down shot by shot. But this looks very, uh, you know, uh, uh, straight to Cinemax right here. It, it's just not very, uh, he's not, <laughs> Glenn, of course, is like to the set decorator. He's like, okay, I want a bunch of candles over here and then just uh, put some skulls. Yeah. 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 That's good. Oh, wait, you know, we got put one skull right there. Do we run out of candles? Okay. Then put a skull. You guys can't see on this hall. Let me, let me switch this around. Yeah, let me just uh, put a skull right here. You can see, yeah, put a skull right there. Put a skull right there. We'll call it a day. It's a lot of skulls. He's like the Bob Ross of skull, of of skull set dressing. Glenn Desmond. Hey, we'll put a happy little skull right up here. You know. So there's that. Um, and look at this too. Yeah, this couple just chilling. He it looks like he's drinking a beer. I, now, is this doing kind of like the From Dust Till Dawn thing right now where these people are all going to get eaten and things are taking a bad turn? Because look, all of a sudden, uh, uh, she's shocked. So she didn't know. So she had no idea that he was a vampire, quite clearly, right? And there he's doing that Zoom thing that he was doing in Veronica, which is, again, 
just like a 70s aesthetic. You take your, your zoom lens in the 70s. So many, this was so popular to do. You throw that zoom lens on and you zoom in. That's what Glenn is trying to do there. It's not a great makeup job. So there's our shot of Julian Sands. I thought it was so cool to put him, bring him in this movie. I really do like his hairdo. All right, so now we have some, some dead bodies and coffins. And as you can see, they have the sheriff badges right here. So these were sheriffs. Uh, so there's try, so some, some sort of element in the story where people in the past have tried or sheriffs in the past have tried to maybe put a stop to the sanctuary. I don't know. I don't know. Does anybody have any ideas? Just zooms by and then what happens? Okay. And then this is the part where Eli Roth, and I was shocked to see Eli Roth in this, truly shocked. Um, Eli Roth does act in some stuff. He was just like, did he get a call from Glenn and was like, yeah, I'm going to be in a Glenn Danzig movie. Why not? I mean, uh, who, who could blame him? I would, I would jump at the chance to, to do something like that. He's saying, have you ever seen what happens when you pour pure silver down a vampire's throat? Something like that is what's being said here. See, and they're stirring up the, <laughs> the silver and they're just showing, they're showing death rider you know, what happens to people. So this guy must've done something to get silver poured down his throat. And now does that look like uh CGI to you? The, the silver dropping down. He's like, it's not pretty. I mean, it's uh plus one on Danzig for having his Glen Pyres uh, pour silver down other Glen Pyres throats. That's what I call Glen Danzig vampires. They're Glen Pyres. Okay. Um, let me see here. Eli Roth is like, hell yeah, I'll be in that movie. Of course. Why would, how could he say no? The fact that Glenn himself is starring in it makes this movie worthy of watching. In my opinion, I can't wait to see Glenn actoring. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. Truly. He's like, I forgot what he says there. So that's what happens when you pour, Silver down a vampire's throat, and his face is kind of catching on fire. Kind of a cheap effect, but Glenn is no stranger to cheap, cheap-looking graphics, CGI graphics. There's just something about the way these sets, like it's like the framing. It's everything is so flat. Like there's no depth to anything that Glenn Danzig is shooting. You know, like why, like, I, I and I don't want to like, you know, get into it too, too deep, but it just, I don't know. It just feels flat to me. I noticed that in Veronica too. It just doesn't feel very, there's no depth, but I won't be able to really judge it until we've seen it. There we go. There's, there he is. He's just standing there talking. Yeehaw. I forget what they're saying. It must, oh, and there's and there's Glenn. Let's take a look at him. He looks really good here, man. He's got okay, so he's got some sort of sideburns. I was shocked to see him in it. He just looks super happy. You know, it kind of makes you wonder why wasn't he doing this for a long time? He has a lot of makeup on too, right? Does it look like his makeup on? Got a cool outfit, man. And this guy looks like he's this guy has uh, uh, a Confederate hat on or or a civil, some sort of Civil War hat, whether it's for the North or South. 
<laughs> Look at his face. Glenn, that was good acting. I'm so proud of you. Uncle Glenn knows how to act. Look. So, yeah, she says something. Who knows what it is? And there is uh, Glenn Danzig's paramour, uh, Ashley Wisdom, and she's being lifted up by, oh, yeah, because they're fighting over the Death Rider. Uh, dude, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, you can tell they had fun filming this, even with the cheap effects and some flat shots here or there. That's exactly right, man. It Glenn looks like he's having a ball, and I'm very happy for him. Good for you, Glenn. They did this. This is a very fun, easy shot to sort of do. And what you do is you in you in one shot you show them you show the person being raised up like this, and then you cut to the feet raising up, and it looks like the person is really strong. And that's a really fun, cheap, easy gag. Uh, that works incredibly well. It's easy to tell what it is, but it works incredibly well, and it works incredibly well here in this shot. Now here, something of, I think they mentioned something about the, the cross or the crucifixion, but this seems to be some sort of vampire punishment. It's all about punishing vampires in uh, in the house of vampires, and you know they tie them to this this X here. And it's not the what is it? What what the hell was the name? Ramsey Ramsey Bolton House of Bolton. The the fr the what do they do? They flay the they the flayers. They flay people, flay their skin off. But the, as the sun rises, they get dragged over here, and that's what looks like it's going to happen to poor Ashley. Uh, she's something's going to happen to her. Let's see. So there's death. Death Rider himself. And you know, the one thing, okay, here's a critique from me. If you're going to make a vampire Western, a spaghetti vampire Western, I would, I would have loved, I would have loved to seen like somebody named Death Rider just have a slightly cooler look. He doesn't, I know he's supposed to be kind of like the man with no name, just dressed in black. I feel like, there were some missed opportunities here. Since you're going, you're doing kind of a gothic thing with the vampire stuff. Why not make the the production design more gothic? That's something I would have thought or would would imagine would be something in Glenn Danzig's wheelhouse. But again, it's his vision. He's going to do it or he's not going to do it. What what can we say? Um, what's this? Oh yeah, we already got that. Um, anyone know when this will be available on Blu-ray? I don't know, but I can't wait. I'll probably pick this up. I did not pick up Veronica, if I'm being honest. Right. Looks Union North Dark. Okay, so there's Devin Sawa's The House as the Death Rider. I love the purple. See, this is a very gothic shot here with the purple and the black and the blah, 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 blah. Like, I mean, I just feel like they should have gone even crazier with some of the costumes, you know. Make it still feel Western, but just give it a bit more of a gothic, you know, even if it's American gothic, flair to it. Um, <laughs> Count Holiday. I'm really trying to amp up the cast here to really sell the picture. Car Carmela Joel. I'm not familiar with Kim Director. Is she she's a porn star? Does anybody know? I mean, I guess I could look it up. But there's Eli Roth. He's he's gunslinging with. Now they must all have silver bullets in those guns, or else how would they hurt each other? Again, that's assuming 
that everybody's a vampire, but we know that not everybody's a vampire because we have the virgin sacrifice at the beginning. Drac Cassidy. These are fun names. These these plays on names. Mina Bell. That works. This is my favorite shot. I love Glenn. I love Glenn is holding a chick that <laughs> or is that Mina herself? I can't tell. <laughs> You know he had so much fun. You know Glenn had so much fun shooting this man. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> See, that's what I need. I need a gif of Glenn Danzig just going like this. <laughs> just like that. Ready to do it one time. Just going going. <laughs> that's pretty cool. What is on his gloves? He has some cool looking gloves. He's got a six shooter. They're all laughing as they as they uh, uh, as he drinks some blood. That works. Um, Bradford Mailprick says, "Love that name, Bradford." Wasn't Kim the goth chick in Blair Witch too? She might have been. She might have been. Um, you might be right about that. I don't know. I don't know. Ha ha ha. Glenn Danzig has bad bathery. Cool, man. I'm down with that. You got this guy. He's the, that's the union. He's Kid Vlad. Silly. Yeah, there's, I don't know who she is. Uh, Yulia Class as Mir Carla May. Okay. Fine. And Darren Richardson as Duke Von Wayne. So everybody's a vampire. And of course, Danny Trejo. This very silly fangs. Bella Latigo. I love it. <laughs> Look at Glenn there. I, I can't get enough of that, man. I just think that's so great. Glenn was Glenn wrote him a scene. Glenn wrote himself a scene where. He drinks some girl's blood, has blood dripping down his face, and it's just chewing the scene at the bar. Okay, that is a look at this. This is oh my god, is that bad? That's bad. Look, not that. This. Ouch. That's not gonna be fun. That does not work. And then this is uh that this is Kim Director um pouring blood down Death Rider's throat. And then here's Death Rider with, what are they doing? They're walking through, walking around somewhere. Now there's, there's, this is a stage show. There they are. Look, you can tell this is, so right here, it's just pitch black, but they've put a spotlight. It's kind of cheesy. I don't know. I kind of like it, but I kind of hate it. It's very, again, it's very flat. That's what it is. That's what it is. You gotta like you gotta have Danny in a Western. You gotta have Danny Trejo in any genre film, period. Okay. And that's what we're seeing here. So now here's a shot with Death Rider. I mean, he God, his outfit is so plain. Look at that with that bandana over his face. Just would be so much better. We got a scene. She's probably naked. Yeah, she's definitely naked. No, is she being dragged away because she had her blood drank, maybe? Uh, and then there's our kid Vlad. He's firing a gun. 
somebody. She, she's smiling. And there is Devin Sawa getting it on with uh, Ashley Wisdom. So, you know, there is a little bit of jealousy there. There he is again, just blow, blowing stuff away. Now, we got to, I think it would be crazy. We got to go back and read. Wait, what is this part? Oh, this is Count Holiday says something. I mean, you really can't. You really, truly cannot tell. What are, what are two random shots? Like, what a random shot to have at the very end of this film. See, that font looks good. Like, what a random shot to sort of have at the end of the film. I don't know. I feel like they could have used... I mean, Glenn Danzig really is the best. What, what I would have really loved to have seen for this trailer... I mean, just have, if Glenn Danzig, I don't know who's in Glenn Danzig's marketing team, but I would have been like, Glenn, baby, look, this is what you're going to do. Uncle Glenn, listen to me. I want you, we're going to have Bad Bathory, go to the bar, order a drink. Just do, I love trailers. I was talking about this the other day. I love trailers that um, don't spoil or show anything of the movie. Shoot a small micro film, like a small micro scene to promote the movie and do it with Glenn Danzig's character. That would sell so many people where everybody's like, leave us all completely wondering what this is going to be good or bad. And just have Glenn's character chew the scene for a minute, minute and a half, do something really gory. And then death rider in the house of vampires and call it a day. And also I think if Glenn was not directing this film, I, I think, or if Glenn didn't have so much stuff to do, I would imagine that he would have been the Death Rider in the House of Vampires. And maybe it should have been Glenn as the Death Rider in the House of Vampires. I like Devin Sawa a whole bunch. No problems with him or anything. But I'm just saying, I mean, if he really wants to sell this film, sell it with, yeah, see, there's Cleopatra Entertainment. Sell it with Glenn. So there's that. Now let's go back and see what Devin Sawa has made a couple of remarks about this film. So let's go take a look at what he has said. Um, Devin Sawa. Uh, everyone's a vampire. Devin, I just want to see. There was some interview with Devin Sawa. Let's see if we can find him talking about what it was like to be in this film. We've read it before on the show, but now that we've now that we've seen the trailer, I think I think it's necessary to take a look at that. Oh, this is for the trailer. Devin Sawa talks. Let's see if we what talks brings up. Um it might it might be too buried at this point. That's annoying. Devin Sawa interview. Let's try interview. Come on. Come on. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when Devin Sawa was... Uh, here we go. Maybe this was it. I think this was it. Yes. So let's see what Devin... Let's, let's remember what Devin Sawa said about working... Well, while that's loading, let's see what the comments are. Here we go. Um, kind of looks 
like a soundstage old school. It might be. Um, I love that Devin Sal is in this. He's my favorite movie, Idle Hands. I love, you know, I am so long overdue to rewatch Idle Hands, which is a great film uh, from that era of, of, of teen, whatever, teen horror films. And definitely need to, definitely need to give it a rewatch. Um, I too, listen, I think it's going to be great as well. I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at the, the schlocky aspects. I mean, you can't help, I can't help but look at them. Smashing Foozer. He's going for a Tarantino vibe playing a small role. You're right, Smashing. That's exactly what is happening here. Uh, also, it would be hard to direct your own film being the main star. Uh, you know, maybe not Glenn Danzig, but a lot of guys do that. A lot of guys do that. Quentin Tarantino has done that. Quentin Tarantino has has done or has come close to sort of doing that. Um, he plays uh, a part in Res well, Reservoir Dogs is part of Small too, but um, there are a lot of people that direct themselves as and star in the film as well. Uh, I would have liked to seen the trailer more frantic and less revealing, but I still like what I saw. I mean, I like what I saw too. You know, I do feel like we we are kind of bums for critiquing a trailer, but it's just we have nothing else to go on right now. So we're just we're looking at the trailer because it's fun. We want we want something to talk about in in the realm of this movie. So that's what we're we're talking about. And yes, Lee, yes, it is on IMDb. I forgot to mention that. I saw that earlier today and I made a mental note and we didn't talk about that. Lee Ving is the bartender. Lee Ving is in this movie, which I think is funny considering that Lee Ving just did some shows as Fear with the original Misfits. Yes, the Fear singer. Lee Ving is uh, an accomplished actor in his own right. He's in the Penelope Spears movie Dudes. He's in Clue. He plays the boss in Clue. He's in a bunch of stuff. Um, so there is that. Okay, let's see what's said in here about Death Rider. <laughs> All right, this is pretty funny. Pretty um, blah, 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 blah. It's pretty interesting that so many newer filmmakers are reverting back to practical effects. Uh, it does look a hell of a lot better. He goes... Well, I did a movie with Glenn Danzig, a vampire spaghetti western that, yeah, he's going to use all. He's dumped a lot of his own. Okay, I guess he has used his own money. He's dumped a lot of his own money, like millions of dollars, into digital effects. Like, I think he dumped $2 million into digital effects on these vampires. And apparently it looks really effing badass. But we had this crazy team of computer guys on set all the time, and supposedly they killed it. I haven't seen the film yet, so I don't know. It was an interesting film shoot, to say the least. It was quite wild. Wait, did I miss this somehow? I, I guess I was super wrong. Glenn Danzig, uh, well, I mean, at least according to Devin Sawa, dumped a lot of his own money in the movie. Millions of dollars. So, Rue, you were right. I guess that's where all the... <laughs> That's why Glenn did all those misfit shows. He, he spent them on on digital effects for his vampire movie. Uh, and if they were the ones that we saw in the trailer, I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared. I'm not gonna lie. But if he makes a good if he makes good box office, he probably owns a good chunk of that movie, and he'll be okay. Who knows? Uh, what movie? What movie is that? Death Rider. Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Got Eli Roth in there. It's cool. We all just had a really good time shooting that. And Glenn Danzig is a character, so we'll see with that one. 
I didn't know he was making another movie, says the interviewer. He goes, yeah, I never knew about the first movie when I was shooting the second movie with him. I think a few days into shooting it, they were like, have you heard of Veronica? I'm like, no. Is it good? It was just silence. But this one, he had a cast of actors and a lot bigger budget. Uh, the interviewer says, I'm sure having a cast and budget is going to make a huge difference. Uh, Devin, Devin says, it's going to make a huge difference. Glenn Danzig is an unconventional director. I will say that. It's wild working with him. Like, I work with Fred Durst, too, another rock musician. But Fred Durst was much more grounded than Glenn Danzig was. Glenn Danzig was wild. It was a wild experience, and I wouldn't give it up for the world. It was very interesting. How would you have compared the two, the two directors, uh, asked the interviewer. Fred Durst is very educated in film. He wanted to do things the conventional way, where Danzig was just going to do shit like a fucking rock star. <laughs> You know what I mean? Danzig was like, yeah, that might not be how the film people do it, but we're rock stars and we're going to do it this way. Whereas Dunst was a bit, Durst, Durst, Dunst, not Dunst, Durst. Durst was a little bit more like, you know, he had a shot list and was working with the DP and this and that. So it was just two different ways and they were both wild. I love how he says, well, Durst was a little bit more, you know, have a shot list you know, work with the DP. These are things that a director does. Um, so I guess that really gives us a, a better, <laughs> a better understanding. Um, interviewer says, I was curious about how Danzig would prepare for a film. Uh, Devin says he had a vision. He had a vision. He was going with it and we'll see when it comes out. He was very, very strong and stubborn at times about what he wanted. And we'll see. He's a wild guy, man. Fucking Glenn Danzig. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Uncle Glenn. Devin, Devin likes you, man. Devin likes you. There you go. So Death Rider already wrapped. Death Rider shot. It was shot last year. I think the coronavirus shut it down for about five months of post-production. I can say this. I've heard some of his soundtrack. He did the soundtrack for it. And when I went to the studio to listen to him lay down some track, I went to the studio to listen to him lay down some tracks. And because it's a spaghetti Western, he's kind of got that Sergio Leone vibe going. But it's all fucking like punk metal shit. It's pretty fucking cool. I don't know what the film is going to look like, but that soundtrack is amazing. Wow. I love that, man. I guess I missed most of that interview, the last time. Maybe I didn't read the full interview, but Devin Sawa, you know, the first time I heard an interview with him or him talk about it, he seemed a little bit more apprehensive. But this time around, he seemed really, truly uh, stoked. He seemed stoked and excited, and that makes me stoked and excited. So who knows? Who knows what's coming? Well, Devin Sawa knows what's coming. Um, yes, Clue was great. He's my favorite anti-minority singer. I want more beer. I want more beer. More beer. Um, so, yeah. So, what is everybody's thoughts overall about this film? I guess, well, we already kind of talked about that. Um, questions, comments, concerns? I don't know. I, I can't answer any questions. I didn't make the movie. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, I hope Glenn does more press for this film than he does for Veronica. I think he doesn't have a choice in the matter. Um, so there is that. 
Uh, a little bit about what I've been doing with They Came From Lodi. So for those of you who know, I've been uh, capturing all the um, – been capturing all of the the tapes again those are all captured i'm going back over uh uh the interviews and it, it's just man it, it's a lot of work it is a lot of work uh I, what i've done is i've divided i've div- i've made a bunch of stems and you might have seen a picture on the facebook page if you're not connected to the facebook page go facebook check out they came from lodi but uh essentially what i did was i broke everything down into stems there's cough cool. There is the static age. There is all this horror business. There is uh, New York City punk rock. Um, there is Earth after Danzig. There's the Fossil Record, and there, there is they came from Lodi, New Jersey, and then it's probably going to get broken up into smaller things. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to I'm trying to judge which clips belong in each one of these categories uh, or timelines as I have and uh, just sort of separate everything out that way. I have my work cut out for me. Uh, I'm not going in numerical order. I'm going in order of importance. So I'm starting with all of the misfits that I've interviewed thus far. So Mr. Jim, uh, Bobby Steele, Franche Coma, Joey Image. uh, They're the first and foremost. uh, Manny Martinez, or as uh, Frank would say, Manny Martinez, uh, Rick Riley from uh, from the Victims, uh, Steve Zing, uh, Damian, Pete Damian Marshall. All these guys are going to go in first as they are the closest. They, they were all former bandmates of Glenn and therefore have the best insight. So they're going to be the bedrock of the story. And uh, the thing, my biggest fear, if I'm being honest, I've been trying to be a little transparent about this. My biggest fear overall is um, I'm afraid that I don't have enough connective tissue to go from segment to segment. What does that mean? It means that like when something's being discussed, I need one thing to the next thing. And I don't know how I'm going to do that just yet. I'm still figuring that out. I have, I have an idea. I have one idea that is perfect. That would work very well. I don't know if I'm going to go that route yet, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm thinking about it. I'm considering it. So that's an update. And what I want to try and do is that uh, as time goes on, I will continue to just post little updates like this about what's going on in the same way that I did for 1979. Um, and for those of you who are not aware, over the summer, I put together a three, it was originally three and a half hours. Now it's down to three hours. I did a three hour documentary podcast retrospective about the misfits in the year 1979. Um, I told basically the story of the misfits all the way up until Joey image leaves the band. So it's covers, it almost covers three years of the misfits history and, you know, it, it's very detailed. None of the footage is mine. A little bit of the footage is mine. Very, very little. Uh, it's very, very detailed. It's on YouTube right now. Uh, take a look. It's kind of the opposite of what they came from Lodi will be because I can't use uh, any of the photos or any of the music uh, as it is a commercial documentary. And I've come up with a few sort of creative uh 
things that I can do to sort of, you know, counterbalance this. So I'm working on that. Um, so yeah, there's that Western black REM three music in the main film. Yeah. I think eventually he's going to do black aria three. I think that's, that's one of his plans from, from dust till Danzig. That would have been a good title. Or, you know, if they did a making of documentary, like, you know, for the for the Blu-ray, for the bonus Blu-ray, I would love it to be from Dustal Danzig. That would be a good, that's a good title. Um, I guess that's it. I guess we'll go to, we'll, we'll wait two more minutes because it's uh, 128 and I have uh, OCD problem with ending on weird numbers. I like to end on nice round numbers uh, that end in zero. So, you know, that's important to me. Um, so load the, this show, the streaming evil live show is going to jump again to a different day. Um, I already think I know what the next show is going to be. Stay tuned tomorrow night for an episode of live pizza with my friend JK. I think that's going down. Uh, I dropped a new video today. It's the beginning part of evil lives. For those of you who haven't seen evil lives, that is the um, evil lives is something I put together in 2016. I've actually put together a lot of sort of like misfits documentary type of things. Uh, Evil lives was basically a concert. It's a kind of like a, a crowdsourced concert documentary uh, of the misfits playing at riot fest in Denver. I took a bunch of cell phone footage that I found on YouTube and I was able using 144 clips. I sunk the entire 90 minute show and uh, I added at the beginning, I added this little intro that showed the road to Riot Fest. And it's, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really, I really like it. I'm really proud of, of it. Uh, Uncle Glenn had it taken down, um, but I thought it was okay to put up the first part. It's not the concert part, it's the other part. If you want the full feature, and at the end, it shows some footage from They Came From Lodi, actually. I have at the very end there, there's some, footage of Steve Zing and Odorous and some other people. Um, you, it is out there. I know some people have it. Some people have downloaded it. Uh, it's not on my YouTube channel out anymore. So seek that out. See if you can find it. Seek it out. Uh, it's really fun to look at and watch. And also watch 1979. And again, if you have not already, thank you. I'm glad you have the faith. Uh, fingers crossed. It turns out cool. Richard, me too, man. I hope it turns out cool. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate the the encouragement. We're, we are OC. <laughs> we are OCD. We are. Yeah, it works. It works. Um, yeah, I, I'm hoping so too, guys. I, again, I, I'm just a I'm, I'm a misfits nerd and I'm a filmmaker and I'm trying to take two thing two things I'm very passionate about and have them intersect by creating this documentary. It's a solemn oath that I made to myself ten years ago. Uh, and for more on that story, go back to the very first episode of this show, 51 episodes ago, last March, where I really talked about the beginnings of all that. Um, sorry for such a short episode. They can't all be three hours, guys. I, I didn't even, I'm surprised I even squeezed 90 minutes out of this, this thing. This was, this was, this was not easy. Um, but I hope you enjoyed yourselves. I enjoyed myself as well. I'm going to go retire now. I think I've got a bunch of movies to watch. Uh, Got to wake up early tomorrow and log some more footage. So as always, oh, make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment. 
Go to the website, uh, fromus.com, click on all the ads so that pennies, I get pennies, let the, the, the commercials play out, buy a t-shirt. All of these things support the creation of this art. I do not work right now. I am still unemployed. So when you guys take these little actions, it keeps me rolling in business a little bit further than maybe I could if I, once I get a day job, everything's going to slow way down. So peace and hair grease.